Welcome to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Here's your host, Chip Kahn. Today we are joined by a respiratory therapist from Tennessee, Jessica Smith, who knows a thing or two about the work-life balance. Jessica has taken her passion from her personal life and translated it to a caregiving career, going above and beyond, particularly during COVID-19. I will let her tell us a bit about the constraints she has overcome. Her dedication to family and her patients is truly inspiring. Her co-workers recognized Jessica's strength, compassion, and humility, which serves as a shining light and source of hope for those who cross her path. This kindness and commitment led to Jessica recently being awarded LifePoint Health's company-wide Mercy Award, named after Scott Mercy, the company's founding chairman and CEO. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today from Pulaski, Tennessee. To get started, will you tell us a bit uh, about your personal life and why you became a respiratory therapist? To start out a little bit about myself, I, I grew up in a small town, so I've always wanted to work in a small town. I am married. I have a seven-year-old son who is my pride and joy. Garrison happens to have autism, so he is a little bit extra special, but there's nothing wrong with that. Also, my mother lives with me. I am her caregiver. She has had a 21-year battle with breast cancer. So the last couple of years have been a little more difficult than the prior years, but we have really grown to um, rely on each other as a family. I became a respiratory therapist because I always knew I wanted to help someone. As a child, I wanted to grow up to be a nurse. My aunt was a nurse. She helped people in various ways. And so I knew that I wanted to follow the medical field. I wanted to follow in her footsteps. And when the time came, nursing school just didn't seem to be for me. I never got accepted into a nursing program. So I got a little discouraged along the way and, and applied to the respiratory program, not really knowing what a respiratory therapist did, truthfully. My grandfather had some lung history and growing up, I always saw them come in and do breathing treatments. And honestly, I thought that's what a respiratory therapist did. I thought a respiratory therapist was someone who just gave a breathing treatment. And once I was accepted into the program, I found out that there are many more things that a respiratory therapist does other than just giving a breathing treatment. So I made it through the program. I absolutely love my job. I would not trade it for anything in the world. It is a uh, true blessing every single day to come into my job and be able to help someone in a small way or a big way. I'm always glad to be a help to someone. Jessica, now um, as we face COVID-19, you as a respiratory therapist, how do you fit in to this fight? Uh, and particularly now that you know we're facing Delta and we even have uh, in some areas, and I think maybe uh, where you are, um, you know, higher levels of uh, hospital occupancy and severity of illness than we saw even months ago at the beginning of COVID. Our role in, in the fight against COVID is, um, it's a pretty prominent role. A lot of people had never heard of a respiratory therapist until COVID-19 came around. And so now 
we're out there a little bit more. People recognize us a little more than in the past. But our role is always been airway management. And I feel like that we've, our role hasn't changed a whole lot in caring for patients. It's just a roller coaster with COVID. No two patients are the same. We've had to adapt to new uh, ways of caring for patients. People, um, their oxygen levels drop super quickly and responding to those. You have to think very promptly. Not that we've not always had to do that, but it's we have to think outside the box a little more, so to speak, than we have in the past. We are there along with our team, with our nurses, with our physicians, lab, x-ray. We are all there as a team to take care of our patients. And we are not only providing medical care, we're providing encouragement and support to those patients. Because a lot of times during a quote-unquote COVID fog, so they're not thinking clearly. So we're there motivating, we're there um, cheering them on. And when the time comes, a lot of times we're the last people that they get to speak with before being placed on a ventilator. So our role is pretty, pretty important in COVID-19. Not only are we encouraging our patients, we're also encouraging their families for keeping them informed and being their cheerleaders as well, because a lot of times they're not healthy themselves or, you know, with the COVID-19 restrictions, they're not allowed to come into the hospital. So we're there trying to find ways to allow families to communicate with their patients. Along with those things, we're also finding other ways to lift people's spirits. We are trying to find their likes and interests and, and to just encourage them along the way with things that are not always medical whether it be music or just their likes and interests we find out from families. And whatever those things are, we try our best to get those for our patients and use those as uplifting. How do you keep the connection with the patients, with the paraphernalia you're wearing? And you're describing for us this commonality you find, but how do you connect with these, these patients, particularly with the fog you describe? A lot of times it's hard. They're they're not thinking clearly. Of course, we have all the PPE on. We have the masks, the gowns, the, the shields, the caps on our heads. So a lot of times we're unrecognizable, and I can't imagine how they feel. But we just try to become as personable as possible with them. We, um, you know, whether it be putting a picture of us up or something like that, just so that we can they can see that we are a person too, not only... You know, we're not just some monster in a in some gear. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. And and frankly, you know, you and and all the others that have been fighting COVID, you know, over the last eighteen months. Um, at the beginning, everybody talked about the frontline workers and caregivers as as the heroes. But lately, I've been hearing that in some ways there may be some hero fatigue setting in. Can you speak to that? What are you seeing in terms of your colleagues at the front line as well as yourself in terms of this constant pressure from trying to serve the patients as you've been describing? Hero fatigue is very real. It is, there really are no words to describe it. You feel like you 
you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, you work with the patients. And then a lot of times things don't end up always end the way we want them to. And I think for me personally, the hero fatigue that I have, I guess, is from just patients are not able to be with their families. And I can't imagine not being with my family if they were ill and sick and knowing that maybe it was their last days and not being able to be with them. To me, that is one of the hardest parts of the job is just not being able to maybe provide the needs for the entire family as well as the patient. I know some coworkers have really experienced the fatigue just in having Patients give a disposition of things that they want done for their families. And it's weighed heavy on them because maybe they always can't meet the needs that the patient has wanted. And so they're they're experiencing that fatigue of feeling almost like a failure because they're not able to do what the patients want their wishes. You know, as well as all, all that you mentioned about what you have to cope with at home, you didn't bring up the 70-mile commute back and forth that you do every day when you come to work. How do you stay motivated uh, in these times, considering your home life, the commute, and all the difficulties we just discussed in this COVID-19 environment? My 70-mile commute is um, almost a chance to unwind and prepare for my day. I have a great support system at home. My husband, my mother are always there cheering me on. And I have a great support system here at work. I work with one of the most amazing teams. They're the greatest physicians, nurses, some of the best people you could ever ask to work for. And they're my support. They're in my encouragement. A lot of times they'll say that I'm their encouragement, but that's not true. They encourage me each and every day. And I feel like we push each other. We support each other. And without having that support at home and without having the support in your hospital, it could be very difficult. But I'm very blessed and fortunate to have some of the best people around me. Well, it sounds like at Southern Tennessee Regional Health System, you have a great team a very supportive team. Uh, what's the most unexpected part of your job there? I would say the most unexpected part of my job is I love the little things about my job, which are the little things that make patients happy, whether it be an ice cream, a milkshake from the local restaurant, a new pair of pajamas, a box of Kleenex, those are my favorite things about my job, um, and that helps me establish a relationship with my patients. I get to find out their interests and their wants, and those little things are unexpected about my job, but they're my favorite part of my job. Another thing that I love that's unexpected is the relationships we establish, not um, only with our patients, but their families, and then the relationships we have with our coworkers, because, you know, going back to the hero fatigue, you don't get to go home and talk about really how your day is because of all of the HIPAA violations and things like that. So you establish a relationship with your team that you work with. And that's how we 
get through it all is through each other. So the relationships is another unexpected part of my job that I never thought I would have, but it's one of my favorite things. Jessica, before we go, I have to ask you about being awarded the Mercy Award. What was it like when you found out and and what does the award mean to you? I was very surprised. It has been the most humbling experience throughout my career. I never thought that I would even be nominated for the award, much less win the award. I do what I do because I love my job. I love to help people. And I try to treat everyone just as if it was my family here. And winning this award, nothing could top it ever in my career. It's been a very special, very special time. I love to see people happy. I love to see people smile. And so for me, winning this award, um, it wasn't about me. I feel like I've won this award for my team. I feel like my team has got to shine a little bit. And they smile. My team has been smiling since the award um, ceremony. So that's made me happy. It's not a, It's not been about me. It's been about my team here at Southern Tennessee Regional in Pulaski. Well, I know how much uh, LifePoint Health uh, appreciates you. And obviously, the award reflects that. And we just thank you for your service. And thank you so much for spending some time with us today, just talking about the experiences you're having uh, at the hospital uh, with this tough pandemic and your family life that uh, uh, is so inspiring. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Hospitals in Focus from the Federation of American Hospitals. Learn more at FAH.org. Follow the Federation on social media at FAH Hospitals and follow CHIP at CHIPCon. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Hospitals in Focus. Join us next time for more in-depth conversations with healthcare leaders.